Thank you, Kathy. Good evening, everyone. Gosh, every time I come up here, it's surreal, nerve-wracking, but thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, so in 2016, I started to study at Dallas Seminary. And the very first week of classes there, my very first class, our GTA assigned us a 1,000-word paper at the, at the end of the class. Now, he also told us that since this was our, our first semester, our first class, our first week in seminary, he would give everyone who asked him a 100 on that paper, even if they did not want to do it. Now, they don't usually give you 100 on papers in seminary. They, they make you really work for it. And so um, I was like, I suspected this guy. I was in a class of about 40 people, and 90% of the class raised their hands, and they were like, we want 100, we want 100. I wanted to, but I just wasn't sure about this guy again. So me and a bunch of others who were um, together, we were like, you know, we're going to do the assignment, and then you can grade us on it. So mind you, this was my very first class in seminary, my very first semester, and this was just at the end of like an hour of teaching time. I had no idea how to even write a paper. So two weeks later, I had worked really hard. I had pulled out all the seminary books, and I had done the research. I had gone online. You know, I had pulled out quotes and this and that and a thesaurus and whatever. I worked hard on those 1,000 words, and I turned them in, completely assured that he was going to email me back in a couple of days and say, what a well-thought-out and a well, you know, well... Uh, <laughs> A well-written paper and what good language and great footnotes and endnotes and all that stuff. But I got my grade back in a couple of hours. Anyone want to guess what I got? Lucky guess. I got a 33. So um, in the four years that I was at seminary, I think that was the lowest grade that I got. And if I'm right, that could possibly be the lowest grade that I've got my entire life of school. So I had, in effect, failed the assignment, and I, I failed it dismally. I was really humiliated and shocked. But he set up a call with me, and I got on the call, and then he asks me, would you like me to get rid of this 33 and give you 100? You only need to ask me for it, and the 33 won't exist on your transcript. What do you think my answer was? Yeah, a resounding yes, please, please. This is not how it should go. The first class of four years cannot go like this. He knew how little we all knew and I knew about writing papers. The technicality involved, the language involved, the material involved. I hadn't even done the class. It was just an hour. And he was willing to give us something precious, something which we actually needed good grades to get through seminary. And we were all enrolled in the class. All I had to do was just to show up. But he was willing to give us 100 in exchange for nothing. He was giving us grace. And it was not lost on me because for the next four years, I knew how much grace I would need to get through those tough assignments and those papers and those lectures. And his grace towards me and the rest of the class was just free. And all of my striving and my hard work in the two weeks that I spent on that paper was just a waste of time. I desperately wanted to prove myself to him. I didn't want to be like 
the bunch of losers in the class who raise their hands and like, we want 100. I'm like, they're losers. I really want to work for this grade. I wanted to deserve the grade when he really wanted to offer me grace. Isn't it crazy how our brains are just wired to work hard and to strive hard and to prove ourselves time and time again when God just wants to give us grace? You know, I had the same GTA for two more classes. I can assure you he never offered us an assignment like that ever again. He graded all the papers. God gives us this grace all of the time. He gives us free grace even when we do not deserve it. He gave us unlimited grace when he died on the cross for us. It was free for us, but it was not without cost for him. It cost him. It cost him his life. But we as human beings, we have this desperate desire to prove ourselves, to work for everything. And we want to be independent and we want to do the hard work. We don't want to believe that there just might be someone out there who is offering us grace, saying, child, here, take it. It was a gift that cost Jesus greatly, but it was free for us. Now, last week, we learned from Camille how we tend to center self instead of centering on Jesus. We learned that when we center on Christ and we accept his grace, he gives us a new story and a brand new life. So today, we're going to look at the aspects of grace that God has given us. The first aspect is that Christ paid the price for our redemption. And secondly, Christ is more than enough. In him, we can rest. But why do we struggle so hard to accept grace? We all know that we need it, and yet we just find it so hard in our independent and our individualistic society to accept anything that's free. This is not something new. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. So if we look at the Bible, at the book of Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, we see that God had specific rules for Adam and Eve, and they broke them. Because what God gave them was not sufficient for them, so they had to go and try to do things their own way. But because of their sin, they were separated from God. And the next thing that happened because of their sin was that they were aware of, their, of the fact that they were naked, and they needed clothes. And so God made clothes for them to cover them up. And for that, blood had to be shed. So the first animals were killed in order for them to be clothed. Blood was shed. And as we continue to read through the, Old, through the Old Testament, we see that the sacrificial system of shedding blood played a huge role in the way that God related to his people. An innocent animal with absolutely no blemish would have to be slaughtered for the sins of the people. Blood had to be shed. But this wasn't just a one-time thing, right? The sacrifices would have to be made over and over and over again because the people kept on sinning. But Jesus, our promised Messiah, he paid the debt for us. He paid the debt for us once and for all. And he died on the cross for us, shedding his blood to cover our sins and to cleanse us. And he offered this gift to us and he paid the price and this gift was completely free. But, you know, if you really think about it, in the life that we live and in the world that we live in, nothing's really free, right? There's always a catch. When we were new to the United States, I, I always looked for sales and for discounts. I didn't understand shopping in American dollars, and so everything seemed very expensive. So I loved finding a good deal. 
Then as time went by, we began to get these mailers, you know, the ones that promise you a free tote or a free umbrella or, I don't know, a free cooler bag, all those mailing labels which you get. If only we subscribed for like a month or for the first six months. And to me, that, that just sounded amazing because I love tote bags. I love tote bags, you know, I, and I love the free tote bags. So I started to sign up for a few of these, and of course, within four weeks, the freebies began to come in. Time went on, and a few years later, my husband passed a credit card bill to me and said, hey, just take a look at the, you know, at the things on that bill, because I'm just wondering if you're actually reading all of those maps all of those magazines or not, because as you can tell, I never canceled any of the subscriptions. Got all the free stuff. I got my tote bags, I got my umbrella, I got lots of mailing labels, and we had eight magazine subscriptions for which we had been paying for them for almost a decade. That, that was a lot of magazines, and we weren't even reading any of them. So it was just a bunch of stuff. Those totes and mailing labels were not free, right? I actually only got one tote ever. I got a bunch of mailing labels that I don't even use. It was just a great tactic to get people like me signed up. Nothing's ever really free. There's always a cost. This grace that we enjoy from God, it costs significantly. And we, and we get this grace time and time again in our lives. It cost Christ his life. We get the magazines but he paid the price. And giving it freely had been his plan all along. Now, last week we read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, but let's look at the verses before that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7. God's plan all along was to save us. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable, the incomparable, or the, or the riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. His plan all along was to save us. He paid the price for our redemption. God's grace is so much better than our our pitiful attempts to earn the favor and the approval. He's more than enough for us. And in him, we can rest. But when we fail to see the great price of our rescue, we miss the wonder of God's grace. This gift of grace came at a significant sacrifice to Christ Jesus. So while some of us can struggle to accept the grace which is so freely given. Others of us must be careful to not treat this grace callously and behave as though it didn't cost us anything. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, says, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline communion without confession, and absolution without a personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Christ Jesus, living and incarnate. Now, I can honestly tell you that I have spent almost all of my life 
striving really hard and trying very hard to please God and just be this good person. Not killed anybody <laughs> yet. <laughs> I've not robbed a bank. And I, I try really hard to be a halfway decent wife and a mother and a friend. Now, is trying to be a good person a bad thing? No. Inherently, no, it's not. God calls us to be holy because he is holy. He wants us to glorify him in everything that we do. Therefore, we are called to be holy in all the details of our lives. But we really need to ask ourselves, out of what motivation are we doing all the things that we keep doing? What drives us to be good people? Do we want people to like us? Do we want people to accept us? To include us? Do we want to keep up with the Joneses? Do we make the choices for ourselves and for our families, for our kids and for our friends based on FOMO, the fear of missing out? What are we desperately searching for? We often do not spend much time, if any at all, in asking ourselves those hard questions and trying to understand before we do something why we do it. Because if we have to be brutally honest with ourselves, we might not like the answers. We all want to be seen. We all want to be known. We all want to be loved. But we often want to be seen, known, loved, understood, accepted by people just a little bit more than by God. So when I ask myself those hard questions, I really, really want to say that God's approval is more than enough for me. But the reality is, I just want a little bit more of people's approval, acceptance, validation, respect. I know that he is more than enough for me. And I know that in him, I can rest. But I constantly feel myself trying and striving, running on that hamster wheel, which never really stops. God is our Jehovah Jireh, and he is our divine provider. He provides for all our needs, but our first need needs to be for him. We need him more than the air that we breathe. And when we prioritize him, we will have everything that we need. It might not look like we have everything, but in him, we will find satisfaction. In him, we will find contentment. In him, we will find peace. And in him, we will find rest. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So how will he not also with him grant us everything? Ladies, Jesus is more than enough. And in him, we can rest. We are all striving in life for something or the other. It might be our jobs. We all work hard. We work hard at at work, we work hard to be good mothers and wives, sisters, friends, grandmothers, caretakers. We want our homes to look good. We exercise to be healthy. We serve hard in church, in PTA, in community, because let's face it, it's fun to serve, but it's really nice to be appreciated. It's really nice to be noticed. It's really nice to be validated. I love getting the free t-shirts each time we serve. <laughs> I do. It's the truth. I'm a t-shirt junkie. We're all searching for favor. We're searching for assurance and acceptance in some form or fashion. It might manifest itself in some really good work that we do. But we're all striving as human beings. 
And the truth is we might all be living in a little or a lot of denial, but we are still striving. When we set our eyes on Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith, we can rest in him. We don't need to prove anything to him. He's not asking us to do any of this for validation. Our sins have been forgiven. He's paid our debts. He's paid our bills. And we are free. Christ has paid the price for our redemption. He's already claimed us as his. And he is enough. We don't need to fight so hard. And um, we don't need to try so hard to find our place and our worth in the world that we live in. He's already done that for us. We don't need to pay the way. Our our redemption restored us to God. And this was because of his unconditional love for us. So let's live in that freedom and the knowledge by resting in his grace, knowing that Christ is more than enough for us. So we're going to have a couple of discussion questions coming up on the screen And um, we're going to take some time to discuss in our groups, and I'll come back after a few minutes. Hello, everyone. Didn't want to interrupt all the wonderful group discussions, but we're coming to the close of the evening. And so as we leave this evening from here, um, as someone who, who is still on that hamster wheel, you know, I... I tell myself to get off the hamster wheel all the time, but I still get on it, and I, I find myself trying constantly. So I would just want to encourage each and every one of you to remember that, that God gives us grace freely. Christ has paid the price for our redemption, and we just need to be rooted in the knowledge of his grace, and we can find the freedom in that grace when we are constantly reminding ourselves of that and also just know that he is more than enough for us and in him we can absolutely find that rest so I just want to encourage you to keep that in mind as you head out home Um, let's bow our heads in prayer father God we just thank you Lord for loving us we thank you um We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you that we have been saved by grace and that you are more than enough for us, O Lord. We thank you for paying the price for us and help us to remember that, Lord. It's it's so easy for us to get caught up in our busy lives that we sometimes take our eyes off you and we forget and then we just get caught up in trying so hard and striving every day. But Lord, we know that we can, we can never repay you for the gift that you gave us. And all of our efforts are in vain. So help us, Lord, as we leave this evening and head back home, help us to remember that you've paid the price for us and help us to trust you and just to rest in the knowledge and the freedom that your grace brings us. Help us to find our contentment and our satisfaction in you, O Lord. 
We thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, and we ask that you would be with each and every one of these ladies gathered here. Um, take each of us safely home. Be with us on the roads as we um, as we head home, and um, give us all a good night's rest, O oh Lord. We ask all of these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. <laughs>